0: Welcome to the Michigan State University Work-Life Podcast. The Work-Life Office supports faculty and staff, and we help employees connect and navigate multiple roles throughout the workplace, career, and life transitions. We have a series of podcasts coming up this semester about outstanding supervision. Of course, that occurs directly in the workplace, but then it trickles over probably into one's personal life. We are talking to over a dozen Outstanding Supervisor Award winners this semester to talk about diverse perspectives on what it means to be an outstanding supervisor, and we also want to provide practical tools that you might not have thought of um, for how to be an outstanding supervisor, and that is why we are talking with Kirk Domer today in 116 Linton Hall at the Work Life Office. Kirk, welcome. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me.
0: Uh, Thanks for coming in to share your knowledge to those across campuses, including uh, anyone across the United States or internationally who picks up on this podcast to inform other supervisors here at Michigan state and those who they supervise uh, to build a more sharing community around best practices for outstanding supervision and congratulations on winning the outstanding supervisor award what was it 2017
1: i believe so yeah it's great
0: that's very cool do you remember when you received it
1: well i do because um they were trying to find a place that could bring in the capacity of people that were going to come i found out so we have a donor board that needed to be invited we had all of this so we were doing a show at the wharton center and the show was the great gatsby and they just brought me through the center gatsby doors and there was everyone waiting in the audience for that particular moment so it was it was quite a surprise and it was it was wonderful very wonderful
0: that's super cool maybe yeah. one of the most dramatic
1: probably but that's what we do in the <laughs> department of theater that's they never do anything anything subtle
0: Right. And uh, Department of Theater is under College of Arts and Letters, correct? Correct. Yeah. And, and so who do you report to?
1: Uh, Christopher P. Long is the dean, and he was there that day uh, to give a little speech and then proceeded to take his shoes off because that's what one does when they are on a show that or a floor that requires movement.
0: Very cool. Yeah. And so you, you supervise folks and you have a supervisor. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you learned over the course of years or from Chris best practices for outstanding supervision? Where do you pick up those?
1: I tell you, I have had three fantastic mentors uh, throughout my time here. Uh, Dr. George F. Peters from the Department of Linguistics, Languages, Slavic, African-American, and African Languages. I think that's all of the units. Um, he was actually the chair of theater for a while while we were rebuilding. And he taught me how to be fair, how to be ethical, um, just the honesty. And then, funny enough, it was then Dr. David Prestol, also um, in that same department. He was a Russian scholar. He was the associate dean at the time, and he was just a fantastic person to go to when you said, so I'm thinking, and to what extent, and to where does one stop and still keep the engagement? He was a really fantastic, fantastic mentor. And the third uh, was a writing rhetoric and American, um, American cultures professor, Doug Nover, Dr. Doug Nover, and he said on my first day of being chair, it's not about you anymore. And how true that rang throughout this is now 10 years of me being chair, and to this day, that still repeats and repeats in my head. So if it's not about you, who is it about? It's about everyone else. It's about making sure that the faculty have the resources to do their work. And in my instance, it's the creative activity that they produce on stages around the world. And the students, how do we create the right amount of experiential learning opportunities that allow them to practice their craft and at the same time understand in the classroom what they're going to need as resources, as tools for the future, be it the profession of theater, be it in any, any profession, just learning how to communicate, listen, and respond.
0: That reminds me of servant leadership that mm. I learned at uh, when I was in a different job at a different university, and there's another outstanding supervisor who has already emailed me, and his email also resonated <laughs> uh, with me and reminded me of servant leadership. Have you
1: heard of servant leadership? I've heard of it, but boy, I don't follow. I do not follow any of that.
0: Yeah, I think it's some people in uh, Harvard Business Review or something, something somewhere just figure out what everybody's doing and put a label on it, uh-huh. you
1: know, yeah. <laughs> call,
0: it, call it something. Maybe they can write a book about <laughs> it. Um, but servant leadership uh, and exactly what you've expressed is uh, giving those who you supervise the resources that they need Uh, so can you talk about what types and what precise resources you're referring to I'm thinking if you're in a set design and construction the tools that you give those you supervise could be literal hammers but they could be uh, less tangible tools and resources Mm -hmm. so what can you provide those you supervise be it faculty or students or staff the resources what types of resources are you Mm -hmm. talking about
1: Well, throughout my time, I have been deemed the chair of renovation within the department, and a lot of that has to do with sheer space, right? Providing them the right tools, the right outlet in which to do the work. We just got approved for a sprung floor for our dance studio, which we've been waiting for. Now that provides the flexibility to teach tap or stage combat or anything within the space versus ballet or jazz that we've been stuck with. So a lot of it has been providing the right opportunity. We we have our students perform in about five different venues across campus to understand that you're not always going to be right next door. You might be in a bus, a truck, and you might be moving it to get over there. But, yeah, I have to supply hammers. Um, (laughs) I have to supply sometimes metaphorical hammers just to make sure that we we can provide a safe environment for our work. Um, a productive environment for our work and sort of a challenging environment because you may be in a Chicago storefront theater and you don't have any tools and you need to know how to create art with the resources at your hands.
0: Yeah, do more with less. Yeah. Now, uh, that makes me think about situations that are less than ideal. We talk to outstanding supervisors who are great and have it kind of nailed down, but there are supervisors out there who are less than outstanding. Mm -hmm. It's hard to talk about, and it's sort of embarrassing to say that, yes, at Michigan State, there are supervisors who are not that great. Now, Over the course of your career, um, you mentioned three mentors. Have you experienced bad supervision or have you seen it not even in your direct uh, circle but elsewhere? Has that informed you how not to be? Is there anything you can think of? uh, And you don't have to give a specific example, and I obviously don't single anyone out, but seeing something where you're just like, I'm not going to do that because I see the negative result.
1: Uh, When I first arrived in 2002 as a visiting assistant professor of scene design and lighting design and every design that wasn't costume, actually, um, I had that supervisor. And it was one of those that was constantly, here's a challenge, one-up me and then you can have what you wish for. But I sat in his office at one moment, and a fine man, and I remember it so well, he's like, you will kill the department in three years if you ever take over. And it was that sort of gauntlet being thrown down that you're like, I wonder why. And I'm thinking, oh, it's just a generational shift. This was, I always had to fight my way up a hill, you know, uphill both ways to school. Um, And I was getting things. But I was working with people, not against people. And I think to this day, I remember that moment going, well, that's why. I witnessed everything as a battle, not as a collaborative endeavor to be better. And... I don't know. It changed. It changed the way I started thinking about how I worked with people. And then, funny enough, co-authored a, authored a book, collaboration in theater. So it seems to work out better when you work together. Yep, it just does. Well, in my world, if I work by myself, I'm not a theater practitioner. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm an installation artist. Yeah. So I can't yeah. work alone ever.
0: Uh, you could be a stand-up comedian or something, but even that is a production. So you, absolutely, I mean, still,
1: oh boy, I need somebody to do the sound reinforcement. So I'm working with somebody exactly.
0: Uh, well, the work-life office now we are really built around five key areas: family care, community connections, relocation. Uh, workplace assistance and career um, transitions or changes. So a lot of the outstanding supervision uh, discussion uh, sort of goes into the workplace atmosphere mm-hmm. and environment and sometimes career transitions. But I'd like to uh, start into the family care Uh, theme and domain and uh, just ask you about how you supervise individuals on your team who might have different family situations and circumstances that might require different types of support. How do you identify when someone might need to take a break and leave to go pick up their kid at school who uh, either just needs to be picked up or got into a little skirmish or something? Mm -hmm. Uh, and, And also, how do you do that without giving the perception of preferential treatment, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, So in your team, can you just talk a little bit about the uh, types of folks that you supervise who might have different family circumstances across the board.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, what's interesting about the theater, music, performing arts as a whole, um, our job doesn't stop at five. It restarts at six and goes to ten o'clock at night because that's when we're actually rehearsing. So family becomes, and adaptability becomes very important in our profession because we're having to figure out a way to extend the work day when it comes to maybe babysitting care because it now needs to take place until 10 p.m. So I offer a lot of flexible work schedules within the department because many of our faculty members are teaching practical-based courses. So if I understand that they're going to have a very difficult load, we know a year in advance what the show is, what their role will be, and we create the course schedule to say, you won't be in before noon, so that we might be able to alleviate some of that or just provide any sort of accommodations across the board. I have the welcome party for my faculty and grads every year at my home because I have a pool, and it is filled because the average age of our children are anywhere between one and nine, and there are many of them. So it's really fun that the community has all covered for each other as well because the creative groups change, so who's available to watch kids has changed, and it's amazing. When we always say the theater family, yeah, we actually have a theater family that helps each other. But we do provide the resources to make that change, make that accommodation.
0: Um, So in the theater department, you have a different type of schedule, and therefore it seems that flexible scheduling fits the type of work that Mm -hmm. you do. Uh, Do you have any tips or advice for the culture here at Michigan State where – in an office that has been nine to five for 100 years, Mm -hmm. uh, those supervisors might see your situation and say, oh, yeah, he's in a theater. Of course, flex scheduling works. But here in my office, we're nine to five, clock in, clock out, and we don't flex. Do you have any um, thoughts on that? I mean, I don't want to lead you into saying that flex (laughs) scheduling should be instituted in a nine to five office. But what are your thoughts on that? Because for me, I've been a supervisor, and I see different situations, and I know nine to five you know, is changing. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, that's my perspective. You've got a perspective, yeah. and what's yours?
1: And I think the perspective is listen, because if there's a reason that someone needs an adapted schedule or that somebody has a, a, an issue in their personal life that needs to be adapted to – that's our job, to pretty much respond to that and see what we can do to accommodate. The fact that it's always been 9 to 5, yeah, Dolly Parton was in the movie, it's a great (laughs) musical, but that, I'm sorry, is passe. People and the way that we communicate today, it's not always in person, it's not always on the phone, and if it's on the phone, it's on your cell phone, while you might be somewhere else. I I think it's foolish to think that there's only one way to handle a situation, But listening, responding, and even if you can't provide the accommodation this time, but being able to think about how is it possible? How can we rethink to work with the people who we're working with?
0: Yeah, listening and responding, being fair, ethical, and honest. Those are great qualities. I think that's going to lead toward outstanding supervision. If you set the principles and the foundation, then the actions follow. Now, there are some specific... Uh, functions and actions that occur uh, throughout someone's job and career that are uh, unfortunate and uh, negative. Uh, Some people leave their jobs for great reasons, you know, the upward trajectory and it just, you know, there's a better opportunity somewhere else and that occurs. And then other people might leave their job for not so wonderful reasons. Mm -hmm. Uh, Things like feeling underappreciated, overburdened, excluded, unsafe, and a lot of personal conflict in the workplace. So I'm going to key in first on uh, personal conflict and know that if you get a lot of great like-minded people with no conflict, it's going to be a great workplace and you're going to win an outstanding supervisor award. It's going to be wonderful. But over the course of your career, you have to have experience some type of interpersonal conflict and i'm just wondering how do you approach that and handle it is it the same principles and values that you've already expressed like listening and responding or is there something uh, more un- in your process to resolve personal conflict and at the worst case scenario mm-hmm. i don't know do you have to let somebody go like what's your process in resolving personal mm-hmm. conflict and when does it really just have to result in termination or something mm-hmm.
1: Well, it's very fun because I look at personal conflict, but I also have the artist conflict. It's when the ego is coming to the table and one is squashed just because of the structure. A director will have a veto power over a designer. I'm a designer by trade. I'm never in charge of my creative work. So I'm kind of used to the whole negotiation process of trying to get a little more of what I want and accommodating. Uh, So as we do that, many of the times we're able to just take a step back from it we look at ourselves and we go okay we understand that we can't all get everything but how can we negotiate and a lot of it is a negotiation anytime i have a major major or minor or middle conflicts i try to start with me saying just can we can we just break this out and figure out what's the core of the issue and find out if it's personal or if it's ego or or what it is um, throughout my time, yes, I think I'm the first faculty member to have terminated within the new UNTF union on campus. That took a little bit of time, but that turned out to be something that you just couldn't come back from. Mm-hmm. That the, the got so intensified outside of the workspace that it was too much to come back from. Um, I've recently had outside mediation come in because we just having somebody within the unit couldn't support it, could not answer it because it was too intensified between people, not necessarily positions. Um, but I've done a lot as as things pop up. We've having a lot of issues recently with how we handle student mental health. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really adding a lot of burden, a lot of stress to the faculty members. So who do I call the Employee Assistance Program? They come over, do some workshops just about how do we work with that and then best practices to share. And then the faculty became a team again in dealing with it versus it's all falling to me. Um, So I think that a lot of different things. There's so many resources on this campus. There's so many experts. That's what we are, a bunch of experts. So let's use them. And I've I've used a lot of the resources around just to say, let's support. Find out what we have out there.
0: Yeah, sure. There are definitely experts. And that's uh, a theme that I want to get across to other supervisors is don't think that you have to do it all yourself. Uh, and you mentioned ego, a lot of supervisors, they go up their ranks and they do think that they're a jack of all trades and that they can accomplish anything. But I've worked with EAP, you've worked with EAP Mm -hmm. employee assistance program, and they are such a go-to for me. You know, they're so valuable and, and just so great. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad to hear that, uh, you've utilized their services and, uh, had brought them in and, uh, improved your team Mm -hmm. building. Uh, so when I was up in Flint, we had an executive assistant, and a research assistant who made mm, happy birthday poster boards. And they would get so specific with, I don't know how they sort of stalked our Facebook or yeah. whatever. And would put pictures, like my high school football picture was on there. And it made me feel like so special because they took the time <laughs> to get the glue out and the glitter. Yeah. And uh, it was really personalized. So it was hard to take down. But yeah. You know, they were like, why did you take that down? I was like, well, it's been a full year. So <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I, expected, it. I expected the next
1: one. You know, and it, it doesn't cost anything, right? No. In so many of these ways, we, we had a major renovation on our building that displaced 90% of the faculty's teaching rooms, their offices. It was 18 months of just uncomfortable moments. And any time a space got done, we invited the architects, all the IPF workers, to come in, and we cut a ribbon, and we toasted with grape juice, and we celebrated that something is done, and aren't we happy? And of course, after the twelfth one of those, and it's a new closet, you know, we are sort of pittered away, but it was just a fun way to come together and say we all want this, and that's really exciting. I don't know,
0: you know, and it makes me think about even in a college or a department. There are deans and there are executives and there are faculty and there are staff and there are students. And sometimes if you're a staff and you walk by a dean's meeting or something like that, you'll think like, oh, I can't even look in there because I'm not part of that group. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you're a student, you're like, oh, I don't even want to go into my professor's office because they're so busy and, you know, uh, it's so scary. But uh, you brought up this inv- creating this environment where everyone from the staff to the faculty to the performers, the students and the architects yeah. are even
1: welcome. Why not? Yeah. Why not? They worked on it, too. Yeah. I, I learned a lot from the lead uh, meetings and the lead seminars on campus because everyone that's coming to those meetings are singularly disciplined. I mean, they're they're representing their unit, their discipline. So when they sit at a table, they're sitting at a table with seven other people that have nothing to do with what they do. So that was early on as a new faculty come on board and we go to the College of Arts and Letters town hall meeting where everyone's there. I'm like, no more than two theater people at a table. Do not sit as a group that you're comfortable (laughs) with. You must be out there and integrating. And I would always have that one faculty member that would give me that sort of sideways look. Like, why can't I just sit with the people I'm comfortable with? And that person now has, I think, 20 collaborators outside of the department working on things that we may never have thought of from just chit-chat at a table with a cookie. (laughs) It was that simple, but yet I didn't come up with it myself. I just observed it and then say, oh, I can abstract that for my own department, and this is how we did it. So
0: what I'm hearing is cookies are the answer. Cookies are one answer, (laughs) absolutely. That's great. Now, uh, the final category on my list to cover here is career, and I'm going to assume that you see a lot of individuals come into the theater department and then uh, go on to... um, Bigger and better, brighter lights, I'll I'll Mm -hmm. say. Um, So how do you and then other people stay for the for the long term, you know, and stay at Michigan State. And that's what we, of course, want is for people to stay forever. Uh, So how do you uh, how do you deal with that in the best possible way where a team is so diverse in that? It, you know it's almost like a basketball team at Michigan State where they're gonna get someone on for a year and they know that person's going to be in the NBA next year. Mm-hmm. and then at the end of the end of your bench, you have a walk- on who's going to be here all four years and then go be a grad assistant. So everyone has a different and never playing the NBA mm-hmm. and everyone has a different career trajectory, priorities and interests. So how can you give everyone the same attention and also support and resources because the resources will be completely mm-hmm. different? Uh, So how do you kind of juggle all of that? Because that's going to take a lot of individualistic precision as to the resources that you provide to a variety of different career trajectories. Can you provide maybe some examples? you know, of that?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, what's funny, I, I think as a chairperson, I've always been told, and I feel 90% of my job is dealing with faculty, right, and dealing with the personnel issues. But I don't mean issues in a negative way, I mean the challenges. I want everybody in the department to do the best thing possible. I want them to be marketable everywhere because I want to show them off. The trick on that is, um, in my world, is getting them out of here in order to do that professional work. Uh, the faculty adopted pretty much lovingly a pay-it-forward model. An actor cannot leave for a weekend and do a show. No, they need to leave for six to eight weeks to do a show. So why don't we let them leave for six to eight weeks, and the rest of the faculty in that area will take over their classes with their syllabi, move it forward, only knowing that when they have a gig come up, everyone else is going to pay it forward. That has worked out brilliantly because it doesn't cost... Resources, financial resources to make up for that. So far, so good. We've been doing great. Uh, Right now we have somebody working at the Metropolitan Opera on a show for the whole semester. We couldn't quite do that as a pay it forward. But the idea is that we want to provide those resources. I think the same is true even with my staff. Why am I going through my sixth fiscal officer? Because we provided them the resources to grow. Like, yes, go and do that. Yes, why not try this? Yes. Oh, and by the way, um, I need you to get 200 condoms unlubricated to cover the microphones. (laughs) And they just share that story at every interview going in my last job i had to it's like you never know what's going to be thrown at you and so why not just explore and try and do things and create a world where they can be flexible too Mm -hmm. and that's been i think the best thing in helping them with their trajectories but when somebody comes in and says hey i got this job it is the perfect job for me it is at this particular school i'm like Best of luck to you. I mean, best of luck to you. Like, all we wanted you was to be great. Guess what? You just proved it. So there's nothing better than than promoting someone's career and getting them to a place that is excellent. Because I want those people to come and work for me, too. So aren't we all trying to to build a better environment? That's really why
0: we're here, you Mm -hmm. know? That's really Mm -hmm. why we're here. And I, I think that's probably a good way to wrap this conversation up is that everything I hear you say is purpose driven and it's like the essence of why we are here to do our jobs. So it's not, we're not here for a paycheck. We're not here for our own glory, even in a department where there is a lot of glory and a lot of acclaim that comes along with it. But if we are here for a different reason, uh, I heard a lot of what you're saying, sort of built into the mission of Michigan State and the you know the values that we uh, all share. So if we have shared purpose, shared values, and we are all on the same page as far as the why we are here and why we do what we do, then that's where the glue and the cohesion comes together, and then the result is almost automatic. Mm-hmm. Really, if yeah. you if you set up the foundation then all the rest is just you know gonna fall into place yeah
1: and you can take a hint from theater just clap at the end <laughs>
0: that's fantastic
1: celebrate the work
0: that's fantastic i'm going to do that at the end of uh today
1: that sounds good (laughs) yeah
0: and after we hit a pause on this recording so kirk domer thanks i appreciate you coming in the winner of the outstanding supervisor award 2017 chair of the department of theater correct correct in the uh, college of arts and letters uh thanks again and uh We'll say hi to each other as we pass uh, on the walkway over by a Beale Garden or in front of the Beaumont Tower. Kirkton. Sounds
1: great. Thank, Thank you. you very much.